Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. This morning, we're going to go over into the book of Thessalonians together. And, uh, and we're, we're beginning this new journey together. And this was a, this, on this journey, we're going to take a peek into the lives of some people uh, who were fairly new followers of Jesus. They were, they were new at this faith thing, and they, they received a letter from this significant person that we know, his name is Paul, and also some other guys, and his message to them really was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I'm, th- I'm, th- I'm going to call this, uh, this specific message, you, you are a model, you're a model. And uh, so uh, some of you may be thinking out there, there's no way, there's no way I'm a model, right? Uh, have you ever thought about that before? Did you ever want to be a model? Have you ever met people who wanted to be a model and they go through all the process to learn how to walk and all that stuff? Or maybe they're a hand model. Yeah. You know what? With, uh, with all of my uh, years of working on things, and uh, I would not be a good hand model. There's too many scars on my hand. I see some of those. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, there's too many scars on the hand to be a hand model, right? Just probably not a good idea. And uh, could you imagine uh, being on the silver screen or on YouTube or something like that with, with your hand? Yeah, it's just not a good idea. But Think about the exercises and things they have to do to be able to show their hand. Or think about others who are going to be a, a, a model of walking on the runway to show off do, new fashion and all those kind of things. There are those models that have to do that. And they have to practice. Maybe they start with putting books on their head so they can get the proper balance right, so that they can walk the way they're supposed to walk and all those kind of things. And, and I, I don't know about you, but... If I was doing that, probably what would happen is those books would fall off my head and they would be damaged on the floor. There's just no chance that it's gonna it's gonna come out very good on that. So, but they, those models they have to put some time in learning and using the techniques that they 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 have so that they can present things just right. Not not all models have professional training. For some, they've take they've learned to. Uh, do it themselves on their own informally with others. But when it comes to spiritual models, uh, we, we have both kinds as well. But when it comes down to it, both matter. Whether it's a formal thing or whether it's an informal thing, and uh, both of them can have impact, and they usually have the kind, that kind of effect because they, uh, they care and they are willing to invest in the lives of others. See, Paul had a great impact. The Apostle Paul and his cohort, all his team, they had a great impact on the lives of people, and especially these, the Thessalonians. And, and he wrote his message to them around 50 A.D. What we know is he wrote it somewhere around 50 A.D. And in fact, this letter to the Thessalonians is actually one of the earliest letters that we have from the Apostle Paul. It wasn't just him, though. In fact, he wrote this letter from the city of Corinth after they had uh, recently left the city of Thessalonica. And the passage we're reading this morning here is is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's look at these first three verses this morning. 
And, and it says this, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. He's given them a typical greeting uh, that, they, that they would do at that time, especially among believers. And then he says in verse 2, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've said this before that Paul wasn't the kind of guy who would be hanging out on his own. Uh, he wasn't an island to himself. He always had others that he was engaging or who were engaging him. We know that from the scriptures and from the, from the writings there. He, he listed with him Silas and Timothy, which is important for us to note. It seems pretty basic. Uh, but, but to give you a little bit of backdrop here to this uh, special book of the Bible, uh, we need to think about this. Now, Paul and Silas, these two guys, uh, started the church in Thessalonica. And uh, some say Thessalonica. And the, it's, a ga it's the capital of Macedonia back at that time. And, and, and he did this on Paul's second missionary journey. And, and Paul is anxious to learn about these new believers and how they're doing in their faith. He's wondering, hey, what's up with these guys? Are you doing okay? And so uh, the apostle really uh, kind of sets aside the tough teachings and difficult things like that. And he writes to encourage them. And he, he, he speaks of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks of that uh, in this book. And, and he says it's, a, it's, it's kind of an inspiration for new believers it really stimulates us to serve God, and also he mentions that the second coming of Christ is a comfort for those who are grieving as followers of Christ. It's also an encouragement for us to live a biblical, moral life in this world that we live in. Uh, let's put uh, let's put uh, uh, our focus here today on some uh, on verse one for just a little while, when, so we can get a handle on who these people are. And the first that first verse here, of course, Paul and Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and uh, and God the Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. And we have the first thing we have here is we have three models for the church. We have three models. And I don't mean a model in the sense of the structure, but I mean a model as the individuals that are impacting or engaging others and being a good example to them. Now, we all, there's all kinds of models out there, but it, if you're going to be a model in this life to others, then it's really helpful to have some good models in your life. And models all have some flaws themselves, but they're usually working at it to get better at what they do, right? That's part of being a model. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but you're growing and you're willing to allow others to speak into your life and you're willing to grow in your walk. So models all have those flaws, but I'm sure that the Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy were all working hard to make godly impact in their world. And, uh, uh, they're listed as the writers. So it's not just Paul. We would tend to say, well, it's Paul. Well, if you notice, because he writes Paul, Timothy, or Silas, and Timothy, it would include all of them as a team to some level. 
And uh, so these guys are there, and they're writing to the church there. And uh, they, uh, so in some sense, they all are part of the letter. So we don't have to say much about Paul, right? Uh, we, we know some about him. Paul is a Greek name meaning little. And over in Acts, uh, the writer Luke, uh, Luke uses the Hebrew name Saul. We knew him as Saul, right, before in the beginning. Uh, and uh, so uh, up to the point he, he met the Roman, uh, the Roman official Sergius Paulus over in Acts 13. Okay, let's move from there. So, yeah, Paul's important. But the second name is Silas. What can we say about Silas? What does it matter to us? He was a model as well. The, the, the spelling is actually uh, Silvanus and probably the Roman version of the Jewish name. Uh, and in Acts, uh, Luke uses Silas. Paul always uses Silvanus. And, and this, this partner of Paul was uh, most likely a Jew by birth. He was a gifted prophet from what we know in the scripture. Uh, and he was as highly esteemed among Jew uh, Jerusalem Christians. He probably later on became part of uh, the Apostle Peter's ministry, uh, especially in sending of the letter of 1 Peter. So that's kind of some background and stuff about these guys. But there's, there's some key things here that they had impact with. And how did they have impact? They were models. Silas was an associate of the founding of the Thessalonian church. He faced cruel beatings because he did that. He went through some tough stuff. He was imprisoned as well. Losing my notes. He faced a lot of stuff. He, he, was, uh, uh, he had been in a pursuit. They had pursued an angry mob, pursued this guy. And uh, he just went through stuff. You see it in Acts chapter 16 and 17. You can go there on your own at some point. But Silas was known for his absolute reliability and his faithfulness in risking his life in the service of Christ. This guy, was a, he was tough. He was tough. He was spiritual. He loved God, but he was tough, and he was willing to walk through it. Did it mean he was probably more than the, more than the average person? Probably not. He was probably just like you and I. We all, we all are just average human beings, and we all need him. Unless the Lord is involved in our life, how are we going to accomplish the things that he wants? See, there's no question that uh, Sylvanus or Silas was a model. He may not have walked the runway. He may not have walked the runway to show off some new design. But he walked the runway of life to live out before others of what it was to be reliable and to serve faithfully and to face uh, danger in the face and say, I am going to serve the Lord no matter what comes my way. Now, Silas sounds like some kind of believer, but he didn't give up easily as some do. And it seems that he was ready to be able to serve the Lord no matter what came his way. And he was reliable and faithful. Don't you want to become a person that the Lord could say that you are reliable and you are faithful when it comes to the things of God? The question we have to ask, and you have to ask yourself, am I reliable and faithful to the things of God and to the work of God? We must all ask ourselves those questions as we serve Him. And if someone sat down to interview you today, and if you were totally honest with them, 
what good attributes uh, would you be able to say about yourself? You know, they, they need you to tell them, and, and you got to tell them, you got to talk to them about it. What good attributes could you really put across and say, well, I do this, even with all humility aside. We have to be able to live like that before the Lord, knowing that he knows every one of our attributes, and we have to be willing to recognize what they are and what they aren't. And for our strengths that we build on them, but on our weaknesses, we work on them to allow Christ to work in our lives so that we can become the kind of people that he desires. You are a model. Uh, you're a model. You may not always be a great, great one, but you, you aren't. Uh, if you aren't where you need to be, you can change that, right? Each and every one of us are models to some level, but we can make some adjustments there. We can grow in that, and we can, we can sweep the house clean, and we can move on and allow God to continue to work in our lives. Now, Paul has another colleague here, and, and the other colleague is Timothy. We've talked about Tim for a while, off and on. Uh, and this young man helped out in Philippi, and he stayed behind when Paul had left the city back in Acts chapter 16, verse 40. And Tim is not included in the account of the founding of the Thessalonian church over in Acts chapter 17. But he likely joined Paul and Silas there later on, and he was a solid guy that Paul trusted. He was a leader that helped set up some churches to set them in order from what Paul writes to, uh, to him in his own letter over in uh, 1 Timothy. But he may have been a timid pastor in the beginning. We know that from Paul's writings, and that may have been the way he was, but he was no weakling to do what he had to do. And Tim was a model to the Ephesian church. He was a model to the Ephesian church. And 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul told him to command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. He's like, let's take care of this before this gets out of hand. And he had to appoint leaders and to organize things at the church in Ephesus so we have to ask, what was the big deal about Timothy then? Well, he was willing to do the tough stuff so that God's people weren't tripped by the things that can so easily hurt people's lives spiritually. He had to do some of those things to be able to help them to be able to move forward. You know, some things aren't easy to handle. Isn't that true in life? Some things just are not easy to handle. And there's an old woodsman that, that uh, he kind of said it this way. He said, uh, he gives it, uh, some advice about how you're supposed to catch a porcupine. Has anybody done that in here? Maybe you guys have online. I don't know. I, I'm not good with porcupines. I haven't been around them. I've seen them in the zoo. That, I just want to leave it at that, right? Uh, but but this old, this old wood, when, woodsman said something like this. He said, when you're catching a por porcupine, you run up on the thing. You take a, a, you take a big tub, a big tub, and you throw over him. Make sure you stay away from his tail, right? So I didn't slap you with that. A and then you sit on that tub for a little while and try to figure out what you need to do next. Uh, isn't that the way it is sometimes in life? You have to sit on that thing and figure out what you're gonna do. And you're probably hoping there's a rock around there too. So you can put on top of that thing. No, no one wants to, to work uh, with a porcupine, but yet it can help you deal with challenges in life because we all face those challenges. And Timothy may have had some difficult things to work with, but he had to know how to handle them. 
Uh, and it showed, it showed his character as well. That's another thing that made him a good model. Now, in the beginning here, we saw these three guys and how they were models in ministry in some sense and how they impacted the church. But now we find the models inside the body at Thessalonica, inside the church that really impacted their community. And sometimes we misunderstand and we think it's always the three big guys like this that did all the work. The reality is that's not the case. There's a lot more than just those individuals that are doing something. And we need to look over here in verses 2 and 3, and uh, where we see it, we, uh, we, um, uh, we're going to look at this a minute, but because there are some key things for us that we need to gain out of what the Holy, Holy Spirit is saying uh, through the Apostle Paul and these guys working with him. And so he's saying this to these young believers, and he writes in verse 2, he said, we always thank God for all of you and continually, to men and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by, your, by, our, by faith, sorry, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So work, labor, and endurance so Paul really, right off the bat here, is giving thanks for the Thessalonians' faith. They're trusting the Lord, and, and while he's doing this, there are some great things that he mentions here in this passage. But you have to catch this, though. The words before uh, God and Father, it really shows that, shows that Paul and his team, they're really sincerely praying for this body of believers and some of the Thessalonian church had to question Paul's motives in dealing with them. So right off the bat, he, he dismisses their suspicion and later confronts it more directly in chapters 2 and 3. But really, it comes down to this at this point for us as followers of Jesus. Really, we can compare ourselves, if you want to, to the Thessalonians. I don't know, maybe you've been, you're new to the faith, or maybe you've been in the faith for a long time. One way or the other, it doesn't really matter. We can all gain something and grow from this. And so it comes down to this. The second thing here for us is, uh, as you are models. You are models. You're a model. Now, now, you may not be walking on the runway, like I said earlier. I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe that's your job. I'm not sure. But, but, but you are walking on the runway of life, interacting and relating to other people, right? And you've been called to be a model before others. You say, yeah, not me. I don't want to be. Actually, friend, whether you choose to be or whether you want to be or not, you are still a model because there are others around you, and you are the local church models. You're the examples of Jesus in Topeka and your community. Whether you live here in Topeka, whether you live up in Jeff County or Jackson County or Osage County or, or wherever you live, uh, or Douglas County, wherever you live or beyond, uh, you still are a model and in those places, and you're a model right here in this place as well. So I don't want that. Well, allow the Lord to work in your heart uh, over this. So the things that Paul and his, uh, his buddies really uh, remember about the Thessalonians was wrapped up in these three words, and it was work, labor, and endurance. And these words really reflect three qualities uh, of uh, Christian character, and that's faith, love, and then hope. And the nature of the first word, which is work produced by faith, 
has been known by as being, uh, it could be direct, direct missionary work that they were doing from what chapter 1 verse 8 tells us. Uh, and so it could include the acts of goodness towards others from what chapter 4 says in verses 9 and 10. It can also be a loyalty to Christ in the face of severe persecution. So you have to be able to keep this stuff in context. A lot of times we don't always do that, but you see what is written through the rest of the letter to understand that context and what he's talking about. So faith manifests itself on, uh, on a uh, wide front. So work should be left as general as possible here. So work, uh, it could include missions. It could include those acts of goodness and loyalty under pressure. It could include all these things in our lives as we live out our faith. It, it can include that. But all, all of these are great. And there's something that, uh, that showed these young followers of Jesus to be great models in their community. So these could also be part of your life, showing you uh, and I as great models. We're not perfect, but we're growing, right? We're, we're not perfect, but we're growing. We're striving for perfection. We're learning to follow Him. And so uh, we, have the, we have a couple other words here that we need to break, break them up a little bit. Work and labor, yes, we have to break those up. Because the word work in the original language here in the Greek looks specifically at the work that is performed. In other words, it's the end product. It's the final thing. And then you have your labor that's prompted by love. You look at those and you say, well, those are the same. Those are just synonymous. Well, not really. They are different. There are different words in the Greek, and they're different. They translate them different in English. And so, so you, then you have your labor prompted by love. So love's result is labor. Love's result is labor. Think about that for just a moment. Love's result is labor, which values the meaning of work, but with a special meaning of using extra effort. So it's going over the top. It's not just work. It's not just raking the leaves, so to speak. It's, it's laboring, doing that over the top, getting every one of them picked up to be able to come to a, a, a for purpose. So one person says, said this, but most people wish to serve God, but in an advisory capacity only. Have you heard that before? Okay, God, well, I'll do this or that. Uh, well, maybe. Uh, why don't you call somebody else to do this or that, and I'll just sit back here. And, uh, but we don't, we don't always want to do it ourselves, but the reality is, is the Lord calls each and every one of us to serve Him. We're all servants. Uh, we must get beyond uh, that advisory capacity only and allow labor to be prompted by our love for Christ and our love for one another as followers of Jesus. So we have to be able to get past that. We have to go the second mile. There's a, there's a guy you may know of. Uh, his name is Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. He plays for the Chiefs, and you say, I don't know that name. It's a French name. He's French-Canadian from Canada. And uh, he's not playing this year. Uh, but uh, many of them call him, if you, if you watch football, if you don't, just follow with me on, this, uh, on the story. It's okay if you don't watch it, that's fine. They call him the Canadian doctor, right? Because they don't, I don't think they want to say Duvernay Tardif because it's too hard to say. And so this guy, three days before the Super Bowl this year, 
uh, he, he, he's there, he's prepping in February. A reporter asked Duvernay Tardif, they said, uh, they asked him what, they, what he thought about the virus. Well, remember, he's called the Canadian doctor because he's a doctor. And he told the reporter that he was trying to focus on football going into the biggest game of his life. In other words, he didn't want to have to deal with it, but he was aware of it. He knew there's a lot of cases, these kind of things out there. And, and so after winning the Super Bowl, he went back to Montreal and he went back there and he's like, I have vacation on the mind. They've been going nonstop and, and uh, he wanted to go take that vacation. And, but when he got there, you know, had to do a parade, had to do all those things and all the showings, public showings they have to do. And so he did all of that. And then uh, then he, uh, he went and did a vacation and then he had to come back early because of all the outbreak and these kind of things. And uh, he holds a doctorate in medicine, but he hasn't done his residency yet. So he doesn't, didn't have a medical license to be able to, uh, to be able to serve in Canada. And so, uh, but, uh, when the NBA and the NHL back, this is back like in the April time when they shut down, it really hit him and he started thinking. And, uh, he remembered what the reporters said three days before the Super Bowl, what they asked him about, uh, about what he thought about this. And finally, he started to ask how he could help, uh, but he didn't have that license yet, and so it made it uh, possible for him to help because the officials in Canada, that Canada at that point, had finally said, "Look, we need your help." Uh, we, to all kinds of medical people who were still in school, they didn't have their licenses. They said, "Hey, we're going to uh, fast track you. We're going to get you through this kind of thing." And that actually made it possible for him to help. He used his platform to talk to people and those kind of things as a pro football player. Uh, and, he, and he wanted to, but he wanted to help. And Tardif said this. He said, it's wild to think that 10 weeks uh, before this, earlier, he said, I played in the biggest game in sports. And I was reminded, uh, reminded of that even at the medical facility where he started working when one of the people training me turned and said, you're the football player, right? And uh, he says, when I answered yes, he said, bro, you just won the Super Bowl. Tardif said, indeed, and now I just want to help. See, he skipped a year of football. He's not playing now. By his choice, the Chiefs let him do that, of course. I don't think he's a follower of Christ. I don't know, and I don't think that really is the point here right now. But what matters is that he went the second mile. He went the second mile. He set something aside that meant a lot to him and that he probably had spent a lot of his lifetime working for, even though he was working on the medical degree as well. Remember, they don't usually stay football players forever. <laughs> I don't usually see them in their 50s playing football unless they get some other position related to that. Uh, but but he, had, he went the second mile and he gave up on something that was important to him to help others. For you and I, as followers of Jesus, it should really challenge us in how we serve the Lord and how we serve others. There are times that we have to be able to look at things just a little bit different because you are a model. You are a model. I am a model. Each and every one of us are models. Back to verse 3 here. 
Uh, we see labor sometimes spent itself in providing financial support for uh, to sustain outreach in the early church. We see that over in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9. And, uh, but this doesn't seem to be Paul's focus here in uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 3, where, where labor is more specifically spiritual service. That's where he's trying to focus here. And this may have been the efforts to help the sick and hungry or devotion to, to spreading the gospel despite of the persecution or the different things that they were facing in their time. See, the early church was known to care for others. And that was part of the start of modern medicine in many ways. Sure, there were little streams that were happening, but we know that early on it, it's, a, it's a start of modern medicine in many ways. There, there was a, another word that the Apostle Paul brings up. But again, he said here in verse 3, he said, We remember before God and Father your work produced you by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we look at that word endurance and, the, and what, that, what that means to us. It's the third fruit that caused these leaders to be thankful. See, they were thanking these, this group of people that were following Jesus because they had done something key. They had lived out their life in such a way that it impacted others. The, the difficulties uh, endurance must cope with are made up of trials encountered specifically in living for Christ. We know that what they went through. Endurance accepts the tough, blind alleys of a believer's experience with a spirit of zeal. We may have to ask ourselves one time, right? Do I still have the zeal of Christ? Do I still have the zeal of the Lord? Is it still in me? Well, if we're, if we're older, a little older, maybe it's not the same because maybe our strength isn't the same. In our, but that doesn't mean that our zeal in and of itself is gone because if Christ has done something in our lives, then we have a reason to be excited about what he is doing. And even if we're new in our walk and if we're new in our faith, then we still we have a reason to be excited about what God is doing in our lives and what he wants to do in this world. We have a we have a wonderful opportunity as models to to share hope with others around all around us. You can move forward even though you may not see all the challenges in front of you. Sometimes we see the challenges, right? We see those difficulties, but we have to recognize that Christ is with us and he'll give us the ability to walk through those things and we don't have to worry. We don't have to fret. We just have to put our trust in him and allow him to work through us. You know, the thing is, that's why Paul was so happy about these new believers in Thessalonica. Uh, as We have to be able to let endurance become part of us today as a follower of Jesus. No matter what you face ahead of you, out of this last, uh, this last few verses in this passage, there are some key things that we should pull out. Let's look here at verse 6, and we'll be wrapping up. Some of you who are thinking about steak dinner, you want to walk, you want to, walk to, to get that steak dinner. Some of you are thinking about the hamburger. Uh, I don't know. Some of you may be thinking about leftovers, whatever. They're all good. It doesn't matter, right? But let's eat the Word of God before we go. Verse 6, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering. See, that's how we know that they did face some challenges. 
uh, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out uh, from you, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. That is so cool. Now, who is he writing to? What, was he writing to Timothy or Silas or any of those guys? Was he writing to the, the leaders, Peter or Paul? Or Well, it's Paul writing, sorry. But any of those guys? No, that's not who he's writing to, right? He's writing to the church, the body, the regular set of believers, and he is encouraging them. Look, guys, you're, the way you modeled your faith has went around, and the way you told other people has affected people all over this area. You had impact. Do you know you have impact? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you got a title before your name. What matters is that you are willing to be a follower of Jesus and allow him to produce impact through your life because you are a king's kid and he has a plan to work through your life. Amen? He wants to work through your life and he cares for you. He's not just using you. He cares for you. And he has a plan for you. Then if you look at the last part of that verse 9 there, he says this. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. I love that. Because everybody is saying, hey, you know what? You realize who these Thessalonians were? They were worshiping some false idols. They were into false religion. They were steeped in that stuff, and they were confused and broken and messed up. But now they have heard the gospel, and they have turned to the Lord, and they put their hope in Him. They had become models everywhere. The, these new believers became imitators of Paul and Silas and Timothy. The, uh, he says this really in a positive way. And they learned to live like a true follower of Jesus, not like any of the pretenders of the time that they had, but from godly people. And you can see how that this uh, helped them to become a model. Look, I like what he says there in verse 7. I like what he says, that they were models in the whole region because they became imitators of Jesus. They'd become models everywhere. You have to ask this this morning. What is my first step in becoming a model? Well, it comes down to be an imitator of Christ and those faithful people that are around you that are serving the Lord. And remember that sometimes people mess up, but... Christ did not mess up. Some people are tempted to throw in the towel when they say, hey, this, situa this situation happened or that situation happened. They messed up. No way, I'm not going to follow that. Well, look, but you have to recognize that Jesus did not mess up, and he is our greatest example, and we need to be able to follow him with all that we have. Remember that sometimes we need to learn to imitate Christ Remember that sometimes people do that, they mess up, but God is not done with you. He's not done with you this morning. He's not done with you as a model. Uh, yeah, he may still be working on you. He's still working on me. He's working on all of us, but maybe you're, you're, maybe you're skipping a year of football, so to speak, to serve the, and go the extra mile. It could be that God's cause starting to cause a rumble in your heart to ask him, what is my next step, Lord? 
What is my next step in following you? We need to be asking him that. There's no question that your first step is to learn to emulate or follow Jesus and his teaching. And because you're a model, how, how will you walk down the runway of life? How, you, how will you walk down that runway? God has given you a wonderful opportunity to do that. What kind of model will you be tomorrow? It all comes down to this. You start today. Would you stand with me this morning? You start today. You can be a model. You can be the person that God has called you to be. You can be a person who's willing to be an example to the community around you. And maybe one day you'll be part of a letter that comes your way and says, you know what, you had impact. We didn't realize that you were going to have so much impact. We didn't know that you were going to help and affect so many people, but you have impact. And you may look at it and say, how in the world could that happen to me? My friend, it's because you take that first step and you're willing to become an imitator of Jesus. And you're willing to reach out to the lives of other people with a hand of grace and hope to let them know that Jesus cares for them and that he loves them.